And how about the, the gold pillars? That's something. And there, there are gold pillars now. Uh, okay, yeah, so we're, we are in this series, Apprenticing the Master, and trying to be practical. And a, a book that I was leaning heavily on this week was, most of y'all probably read it, um, John Mark Comer, pastor out of Portland, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. How many people have read that? How many people are still practicing what he talks about? Zero, okay. Um, but he says, I mean, this really encapsulates what we're talking about, trying to be practical in terms of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus, to be an apprentice of Jesus. He says it like this, it's to be with Jesus, it's to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus would do if he were you. And that's really, it, that just captures this, like it's flowing out of being with him, but it's also very practical. It's to be like him and to know that, no, he was not in the exact same scenarios that we are, but his life translates to all the scenarios and relationships that we find ourselves in, and it's to do as he would do if he were in our position. And so these, we had our intro week of what is this, the concept of discipleship, and then these first three weeks, this is the last of what I would call these first three weeks of like maybe more inward uh, being with Jesus practices. You know, we talked about meditating on scripture. We talked about prayer. Today, we're talking about solitude. And really, I think the more that I've learned and kind of been in this this summer, I, I, I would like to have been able to go back and make this the first sermon after the intro, because I really believe that solitude is the garden bed that is necessary for anything else to grow. You know, you think about the important elements, the essential elements of the word and conversational relationship with the Father, but if we don't have the setting, if we don't have the garden bed that is reserved and set apart for things to grow, then nothing can take root. And uh, T.S. Eliot, poet, said this, where shall the word be found? Where will the word resound? Not here, there is not enough silence. And so what we're calling solitude today, following Jesus in, soli in his solitude, his practice of solitude, it's really three things. It's solitude, it's slowness, and it's silence. It's slowing down. You know, this, this week as I was thinking about this, I, I walked Radnor to get some, some time of solitude and silence and slowness, and it was amazing and terrifying to me to have that mindset and to be at this place that is designed for this. You're not allowed to run there, and yet people are running there, and I just wanna stop them every time or like throw a rock at them. Um, but people are like just what I would call yell talking at each other at like 1.5 speed as they're just powering through or the new thing, which is really great, is people have just forgotten about AirPods and earphone, like headphones at all. And it's like, I'm just gonna have my phone here or here and just blast it. And so everyone can hear my podcast that's on double speed or everyone can hear the music that I love. And I'm, like, I'm feeling older and older all the time because I just, I wanna stop those people every time and just have a conversation with them. But, 
Just think like we, we don't even know how to enjoy this gift of a place like that that is for solitude and slowness and stillness and silence. We just take all of our busyness and noise into it. I'm like, isn't this great? Like, I get to see a duck. But like, that's not the point of all of this. It's not that you get to see a duck. It's that you're out in nature where it's quiet and you're pulling away from the rest of your busy life. And so, I mean, all these things, solitude, slowness, silence, I'm just going to refer to it all as one thing, as solitude. But uh, um, C.S. Lewis in his famous work, Screwtape Letters, uh, one of the senior demons, Screwtape, says this about their, their plans against the kingdom of God and against God's people. We will make the whole universe a noise in the end. That is our plan is to just make the whole universe a noise where there is no silence, there's no space for people to meet with God and hear from him and be in his presence. So uh, Chris, if you would come on up and read our passage. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1, 35 through 39. And, and just here's a plug. This is not a law, but I would just really encourage you all to bring like a hard copy of the scriptures because even in this, if you go to your phone, it's just so, it's just unlocking the door to distraction again. And so just, you do you, but that's my recommendation. As I read from my phone this morning. Chris! <laughs> we have a lot of work to do. Yes, Lord. we do. Help me fix these people. <laughs> Jesus, I repent. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your people. Thank you for this time that you carve out for us every week, that you call us to every week, because it is good for us. It is not only good for us, it is necessary for us, for health and for life. Jesus, would you come and remove the scales from our eyes? Would you take, would you unstop our ears? Would you transform our hearts, give us different desires? Would you help us to follow you in all the ways that you are inviting us to, to give us life? And do that now through this preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the context for this passage, before, right before this passage, it says Jesus is in Capernaum. It's a Sabbath, and he's teaching in the synagogue. And so Jesus is teaching, and then he's confronted while he's teaching by a man with a demon. That has not happened to me yet. It'll be interesting to see how that goes down when it does happen. But Jesus casts the demon out, 
And so that is his experience of worship that day, pretty busy. And then he goes immediately from there to Simon Peter's house, and Simon's mother-in-law is sick, and so Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law. And then the news about him and what he had done at the synagogue starts to spread. And so uh, at sundown, the whole city, sundown because it's the Sabbath, and you know a lot of people thought you're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. So at sundown, the whole city's just waiting, and it says they are gathered together at the door. The whole city is gathered at the door of Simon's house, bringing all the sick and demon-oppressed. And Jesus spends all evening healing them and casting out demons. Okay, then we get to our passage. So verse 35, rising very early in the morning while it is still dark, he departed and went to a desolate place. That word desolate is just can mean desert, but it can also mean lonely, quiet place. And there he prayed. So Jesus, I mean, this, this is it right here. This is, this is what we're talking about, is this act of pursuing solitude, this act of getting away from the noise and moving toward our God, to hear from him, to be in his presence. Jesus was intentional. Now remember, like we're, as his disciples, as his apprentices, we're watching him, we're, we're imitating him, and we know from other places in Scripture that this was not a unique thing. This is a daily rhythm for him. So the Jesus that we're following is doing this. He's getting up. He's, in, he's intentional. He's desiring time with his Father, longing for that time. It's not a burden to him. So if that is a burden to us, then we, we're somewhere else, and we need Jesus to help us see differently. For him, there a, is a deep hunger. It's like food. He needed it, but he also desired it. He needed it for his life, but he also craved it. He hungered for that time with his father. He was satisfied by it. He was filled with it. And it required him to have intentionality in both directions. He needed to intentionally leave, to depart, to go away from his regular life, to go away from the noise, to go away from where everyone else is, and to intentionally move toward or to seek that which he was after, which is just fellowship and time resting in the presence of his Father, having relationship with his Father, having times to just rest and be together and hear from him. No noise, no people, no phone before the busyness of the day. It's time and space. It's solitude is time and space. Quiet and attention. It's like getting to a place where you experience what I call like the resting breath of like the sigh, the exhale of when you finally show up to the same place your body is, you know? Okay, I'm here. It's, it's getting that away from everything else and with the Father in his presence. Our lives are like, um, I heard this from Ruth Haley Barton, this illustration that it's like if you took a jar of creek water and you just shook it up, you know, it's just cloudy, it's a mess, there's sediment everywhere, and you just wait and you just watch it just settle. And all the sediment settles to the bottom and then the water clears. 
And that's really what's happening when we practice this, this thing that is solitude, of just getting away from the noise, getting away from the other things in my life, to just sit in the presence of our Father. And I want to just mention this. This is, you know, this, what we're talking about today, is the most basic, it's a daily rhythm, but there's also special times Uh, I don't even want to call them special times, just different times that Jesus also models for us of this practice of solitude that are longer. Like he, um, when he heard about John, uh, John the Baptist, his cousin and good friend, when he heard that he had died, it said that he went away and had an extended time. He needed to mourn and grieve and be with the Father. You know, when something significant happens to us, Even more so, we need to go away and be with the Father and have time for him to help us understand what's happening and where we are in this. And remember that he is with us and let him speak to us. Also, when Jesus started his ministry, he goes into the the desolate place. He goes into the wilderness for 40 days to be strengthened, you know, for vision. Sorry, hold on. How's that? Good. And then also, we, we see directly for, for us, you know, his disciples are out on mission. They're, they're working hard, and there's this time of extended period of time where they're out there, and they're working and working, and when they come back, the first thing Jesus says to them is, you need to come away with me for a while and rest. Like, you've been pouring out. You need to be poured into So Jesus is out here experiencing this time. And you know, what can that look like for us? Just getting practical. It, it's to, to get in this quiet place, and maybe it's to read uh, a very small passage. It's the other things that we talked about, prayer and meditation. But sometimes it's just to literally rest. Because even in resting, that's worshipful because the Holy Spirit lives in us. So when we're just quiet, we're having communion with the one who lives in us and the one who made us. And then we get to verse 36 and 37. Jesus is interrupted. Peter and other disciples come looking for him. But it's okay. This is going to happen. Jesus is trusting the Father's providence. He's not threatened by this. He probably didn't, I don't know that he enjoyed it, but he's not threatened by it. And because when this is your practice, like it was for him, this time never really ends because, again, God lives in him. The Father is in him. They are one. So wherever he is, the Father is. And so it's the more that this becomes a rhythm in our lives, the more this is we're getting in touch with our real life. And then we bring our real life back into the busyness of our everyday lives. But we're being shaped by this time away. So Simon and the other disciples come and find Jesus with this message, and I love this because I can just feel this. Everyone is looking for you. And this is more true for Jesus than it was for us because literally the whole city was coming to him, and by now I'm sure it's the whole tri-county area because the word has spread, and literally everyone is looking for Jesus, but... Don't you 
Can you feel the weight of that statement? Do you feel that in your life? Every time I try to think about getting away and having this time of solitude, everyone is looking for me. Everyone. They're at the door. They're in my office. They're calling. They're texting. They're posting. They're messaging. They're emailing. They're scheduling meetings. They're inviting me to things. They're asking for more and more and more and more. Can you all resonate with that? And the reason is not all of those requests, those, none of those are necessarily bad things or bad requests. And those people, that may be the thing that you need to attend to or I need to attend to. And also, there is a conspiracy against your solitude from Satan's kingdom of noise. This process of getting away, this rhythm of getting away from everything will never be easy. I will guarantee you that. It will never be simple. It will never go with the flow of your life. It always requires intentionality and intentionally stopping and leaving and moving toward the Father. And this is going to happen to us, and just like Jesus, we don't have to fear. We don't have to be, you know, this week we may set out to start a new practice of this, and two days in we get interrupted, you know, two minutes into our time with him, and that's okay. Don't panic. Just know that there's going to be every day, and you're going to have plenty of this time with him. As long as we're pursuing, when things interrupt, it's okay. Because John 14, 23, Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will make our home in him. He is always with you. We don't have to fear. So verse 38, what is Jesus' response to this? Everyone is looking for you. He says, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that's why I came out. Essentially, what Jesus says is no. Like, everyone is looking for us. Everyone is looking for me. They want me to stay. They want me to do things for them. And my answer is no. So to have a master, you know, for Jesus, it was his father. For us, it's Jesus and the father. To have a master is to have purpose because we're hearing from him. And to have a master and to have purpose is like having a superpower. Because now we can actually say no. We know what to say no to. We are free to disappoint and we are free to be a disappointment. I mean, his disciples came to him and Jesus says essentially, yeah, we're just going to say no to all of them. And just move on. And he is carrying zero guilt for that. That is not weighing him down one bit. And here's the thing. Jesus was not selfish. Jesus was not saying that the things that these people wanted him to stay for were unimportant. They were very important. People wanted him to heal them. And heal people that they loved and cast out demons. That's very important stuff. We're dealing with like human flourishing. And he loved them. It's not that he didn't care. But here's the thing that was controlling. The father was not calling him to that. 
So why can't I say no more? Why am I not more free to disappoint people? Why do I, when I work up the courage and feel like I have the clarity to actually say no, why do I feel a little bit of a a constant low-level nagging sense of guilt for having said no to somebody? It's because I'm not letting my Jesus and my Father be my master. And maybe it's because I'm not with them in this intentional way of being open And maybe it's because I can't hear them, because I'm not leaving the noise. And when I'm not being mastered by Jesus, then I'm opening myself up to literally be mastered by everyone else. Myself, my emotions, my family, my friends, my supervisor, my coworkers, my spouse, my significant other, the culture that we swim in, the values of what our culture says I need to care about more than anything else. I am enslaved, and I am mastered by all of these voices. And again, these voices are not bad voices, but they are bad masters. Remember what we talked about in the first week of this series, Matthew 11, Jesus' words, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest is a gift that he has to give to us, and he's the only one that can give it. Come to me, everyone who's burdened by having a million masters and having no purpose, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Let me be your master, for I am gentle and humble, and you will find rest for your souls because my yoke You being mastered by me and being my apprentice is easy and light. This is what Jesus is talking about in John 15 where he says, abide in me. That word abide is to dwell. So it's this, you know, solitude is certainly a part of this. To just be in the presence of, to dwell, to be open to and to be, have this uninterrupted fellowship Abide in me and I in you, as the branch, that's us, cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Not that it says it believes in what the vine's talking about. Not the intellectual assent, but to abide, to dwell, to sit in the presence of and be with. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. You will wear yourselves out. You will run yourselves ragged. You will have a million masters. You will be slave to all. You will have no purpose. And it will amount to nothing. Or you can take my yoke upon you and have rest and have peace and have purpose and know why you're doing what you're doing and have the ability to say no, the ability to disappoint. Verse 39, the last verse here. It says, and he went throughout all Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. I think this is a really important point for us or else all of this that we've just said amounts to nothing. There's a lie that we tell ourselves in our unhealth 
is that, man, this was great for little Jesus who lived before we really knew what life was all about. But I can't live like this because, well, I'm important. (laughs) And there are people who need me. And Jesus, sweet as he was, didn't really understand the world that we live in, that I swim in every day. He doesn't know about the information age. He doesn't know about Fortune 500 companies. He doesn't know about startups. And so, you see, it's impossible for me to live like Jesus in this way. I mean, I still think he's great. But the idea of me doing what he's doing in this passage is like, it's just not possible. So here's the deal with that. This passage of Jesus in this rhythm of solitude is bookended by him being probably more busy than any of us have been. But here's the difference. He was responding to his master and doing it with purpose. He knew exactly what he was supposed to do, and he did it. And even when it was a lot of things, that's okay, because he was spending time with the Father, getting reconnected, refilled, renewed. So he was living this healthy life, and some days were crazy. Some of Jesus' days of ministry were they were not sustainable. And yet he was living in perfect obedience to the Father. There are going to be days and times that you and I are working at a pace that is not sustainable, but again, that's the key. It's not sustainable. So if you are telling yourself that Jesus is calling you to live at an unsustainable pace for every day of your life, something's wrong. It's not true. We will be busy because we have work to do in this world. We have people to serve. We have people to minister to. We have work that is valuable to our community. We have have so many things to do, and it it will be busy. this, This is not a call to go to a monastery. This is a call to a very practical, real life in the nitty gritty dirt of what is happening in our community, in the stations and the relationships where God has placed us. But it is a call to know that that is not what defines us. It is the time of solitude with the Father and the Savior that defines us, and that informs us of what we say yes to and say no to in the times that we need to roll up our sleeves and not get any sleep, and the times that we need to come away and have extended rest. We, we don't know the answer to that. Only he does. He has to tell us this. And this is the beauty of what he came to do. He went to teach and preach the good news, but he also came to be the good news. And here's the good news, is that you and I are free. Because of who he was and what he did, because of his obedience to his master, he enabled us to belong to another master, to belong to God, to be children, to be sons and daughters of God the Father. And as children of God, he is our master. He is, it is an easy yoke. We are no longer slaves to the kingdom of noise. And let me tell y'all, maybe more than anything else, for us to live this way in the world today is going to be one of the, the grandest testimonies of the truth of the gospel in terms of getting people's attention, in terms of opening channels to see Jesus, 
is to watch people live a purposeful and unhurried life, even when they're working very hard, and to experience the peace. I remember when I was coming to faith, that's what stood out to me maybe more than anything else was these guys that I was in school with who I just couldn't put in a category because they weren't, they weren't eaten up with trying to be cool, and they weren't this like, you know, religious, they weren't climbing the religious ladder either. They were just doing their own thing. And more than anything else, they had peace. I could just see it. It was, it was coming off of them. They had peace. They were at peace with themselves. They were at peace with who they were. And that is a powerful, powerful witness to the truth of the gospel. So again, we're free. We don't have to be slaves to a kingdom of noise. We are free to have life and have purpose and experience the love and the fellowship and the abundant life of our Father and our Jesus because he lives in us now and he's given us the power to say no so that we could say yes. What I want to do now is just leave a couple minutes. Um, If we could throw the prompt slide up. Um, I'd ask you all to just this is going to come out in the email, but if you just like take a picture or jot that down real quick, um, this is going to be our prompt for the week. But what I want us to do today for just these next few minutes is this. To go ahead and prepare the way to think about a quiet place and a quiet time that is accessible to you. And and if this is a brand new practice, maybe for the first time, try each day this week to go away from the noise and go toward your father in a quiet place at a quiet time. And if you need to, to go ahead and plan that out, if that's not already a rhythm, to go ahead and plan that out. And then to spend some time reflecting on where you are with this. If this is not my practice, what, what am I believing? What is, what is getting in the way? And if you still, after everything I've said, are like, yeah, this can't fit in my life at all, I want you to come talk to me. And I will pray with you, and I will meet with you, and we will figure it out. And I'm dead serious about that. Because this is essential. And then just pray for help. Just pray that the Lord would help you to do this. So we're going to take a couple minutes and do that. Jesus, this obviously is just a, a beginning. This is, is not enough time. But we, we want to follow you. We want to do the things that you've called us to do. We want to imitate you. We want to live the life that you lived so that we could experience your life with you and begin now even to live the abundant life. So Father, as I reflect on why this is hard for me, so, so often it's just the thoughtlessness and lack of intentionality. And then once I'm moving with you, it's pride and arrogance to think I'm, I'm so important that something else has to happen or that something is better than this. So Father, would you, would you help us? Would you give us the faith that we need? Would you give us the courage that we need and, 
and would you give us the endurance we need because we know, Lord, I pray that when, when we are interrupted, when, when there are all sorts of attacks against us setting uh, this new rhythm or a new intentionality, would we say, oh, there it is? Would we not be surprised? Would we expect it and, and not panic, but just come to you, Lord? And Lord, would you even help us with the things that you're calling us to say yes to? Would you, would you help us to even build a wall? Um, so like the wall of a castle, they all have to come through the gate, but we're not just being constantly bombarded from every direction, Lord. Would you give us rhythms? Would you give us healthy boundaries of, of when we turn on and off our phones, of when we look at email, of when we do all these different things. Just help us, Lord. We are, we are in desperate need of help, and only you can shepherd us, and you will. You promise to because you love us, and help us to have the faith to believe that. In Jesus' name, amen.